Good morning. It's really good to be with you today and I pray that this word I'm going to bring you is going to help you. Let's just pray together. Father, I ask you to give us insight into your desire and your design for us as your children, as your sons and your daughters, sons and daughters of the King of the Kingdom. We pray that the dominion mandate that you've given to us the great commission you've given to us would be birthed in our hearts, not just our heads, but birthed in our hearts. So that we would know that the purpose that you places upon this earth and given us a revelation of the king and the kingdom and brought us into your actual family through your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. That, that would be brought to great fruition. And that you would receive the fruit of the sacrifice of your sufferings through the lives that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you a very sensitive subject this morning. Some years ago, one of my friends was working and he was doing a survey. And he was surveying a whole group of students and he had this questionnaire and there was only one question on the questionnaire and it said, what do you think is the main problem facing society in these days? Is it apathy or is it indifference? And the first student he met replied, I don't know and I don't care. Now that just sums up a lot of what we see in society. We are very self-oriented. It also sums up a lot of what I see as I wander around in the cities, the towns, the airports of the nations that I work in. And there's something I pass virtually every morning. Every morning, my mother is 95 years of age. She's, she's in hospice, hospice, well, not hospice care. She's in a, a special care home. She needs 24-7 nursing care, four hours away, total lockdown. We've not been able to see her since mid-March. In fact, February the 10th was the last time I saw her. I write to her every day. I can't speak to her. She can barely speak. She's lying there. She's a woman who's been tremendously productive all her life. She taught me everything I know about gardening. I, I love to garden. She had the most beautiful garden, flowers, and, and just did it in an incredible way. She, the way she got the colours to blend together, it was magnificent. And she worked in that garden every day. And the one thing she knew was weeds grew faster than plants. How many of you would agree to that? Weeds, you go outside and you think, oh boy, the curse really is true. Weeds grow faster than plants. And I walk each morning and I take the card that I've written to her or the postcard that particular day to, to let her know we still love her, let her know we're still here, let her know the news. And I walk down to the post box and then I walk through the woods and through the fields around here and I spend some time with the Lord on my own during that time without any interruptions, which is a wonderful thing to do. It sets the day up beautifully. But there's one house I pass that intrigues me. The hedge is now about 12 feet high. The vegetation goes all the way back to the house. You can just about see the top of the house and you can just about see the top of the windows on the top floor. And the back is exactly the same. You can see a car just about 
at the end of what used to be a drive and now it's all enclosed. It's completely covered over. You couldn't drive that car out. And amazingly, it's got a twin on the opposite side of the road. And what I've discovered, that, that both houses are owned by the same person. And I've seen this person walking in to each of those houses through those enclosures. Whether there's a mental problem, I do not know, but I can tell you something. The Bible talks about someone like that. And this particular person in the Bible is probably the most apathetic an indifferent person I've ever come across. Now, I did a study on this when I first became a Christian, and I probably did it because I was very fortunate. I had a great role model in my father and mother. They were they were incredibly hard workers, not only in the work that they did and in the community in which they lived, but in the churches in which they were committed. And so I had a good work ethic growing up. But when I became a Christian, I had to I had to chase some of my ways when I was at college and I was not walking with the Lord at all. Um, I, I, I was a sluggard. I would, I would lie in bed on a Sunday. I would play a lot of sport and I would play lots of different sports at my college and I would be out late and I would come back from trips to London and down on the South Coast and up in the Midlands uh, from my college in Oxford. And to be honest, I just lay in bed the rest of the day. I'd watch much of the day on the television. I was an absolute sluggard. And the Bible actually talked about someone like, he said the sluggard, turns upon his bed like the hinges on a door. And I think, oh my goodness, or a door on its hinges. I, I, I don't want to be like that. So I began to look at the life of a sluggard. Apathy can be very sluggardly. Now, uh, it, it's quite funny. I love the word sluggard when you say it. Wow, that's an unusual word. And I'm going to read to you from Proverbs 24, verse 30. said, I pass by the field of a sluggard. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, just like the house I pass each morning. The ground was covered with nettles. So is that. Its stone wall was broken down. So is this one. And then I saw and considered it. I looked and I received instruction. It's good to receive instruction. Sometimes by looking at bad things can teach you good ways. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. I, I love this scripture so much. I asked the musicians to set it to music, but they wouldn't do it. They said, no, one will want to sing this. But actually, I would like to sing it and say, this is what I don't want to be like. I do not want to be apathetic. I do not want to be indifferent. I want to give myself to the cause of the kingdom and see the work of the king come to pass and the fruit of the king be placed in his hand and give him great joy. And so always you'll find that I'm someone who works to be a producer, not a consumer. I was considering this walking around in the forest today and I was looking at the deer. I know several places where the deer hide out in the forest around here and I just love watching them in the morning. They give me such pleasure. They, they, they get very afraid when they see me. Now I can get within about 30 yards of them. But they're such a joy to see. And they're grazing, 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 grazing. They're feeding, feeding. And then they're running, running, running. They're very rarely stood still. Very, the only time they stand still is when I approach. And they think, what's he going to do? I want to be a producer. And I want to produce into my old age. I want to just speak to one or two of you 
who are my age, I'm 73 years of age. Retirement is not on my screen. I don't believe it's in God's agenda for me. Uh, whether I can still continue to travel at the moment, I can't. Uh, and not is immaterial. I can still work through this medium. But I have no intentions of retiring. I have every intention of seeking to be fruitful in old age and becoming an oak of righteousness, a planting in the house of the Lord. And I would encourage you all to do the same. Retirement is not for us in the kingdom. Repositioning, maybe. Taking it at a different pace, definitely. Making use of our wisdom and learning how to put a brake on rather than accelerate it can help the younger people around us. They have the energy. We might have slightly more of the experience and certainly some of the wisdom. But together we have to work for the purpose of the kingdom. There's no place for apathy in the kingdom, no place for indifference. This is a cause that Jesus thought was worth dying for and died to bring me and you into it. Therefore, there's no place for apathy. He must eat of the fruit of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Isaiah 53 is very, very clear on that. And it's my joy and your joy to work to produce that fruit, to please him. Well, this guy lacks sense. He, he, either he didn't see what to do. Or he didn't want to do what he should do. But he had a problem because he had a field. And a field is a designated and delegated area of work that we're given. Uh, I've got a garden here and you're not going to believe this. There's a vine in it. And I actually grow grapes. I've never grown grapes in my life. My father-in-law grew grapes and beautiful ones. And I, I, I don't have him around. He died sadly many, many years ago. So I have to go to the next best thing, which is Google, because nobody else that I know around here has got a grapevine in their garden. And I've, I've learned on Google what my grapevine needs. But to be honest, I knew quite a bit of that from reading the Bible, because I've read John 14 and I've read Isaiah 5. And it talks there about how the vine needs to be pruned. And actually, one of the problems... Uh, with Israel was that Israel not only refused pruning but God actually refused to prune them because they would no longer work in the direction that he wanted them to work. So if a vineyard isn't pruned it, it's a sign of judgment. So I, I want to see the vineyards that we're in constantly being pruned. And at first I was terrible at pruning. <laughs> I don't want to kill it. I don't want to kill it. I, I, I just a, a little snip, a little snip here. And then I realized I had to cut right back and follow the maker's instructions in order to produce new life. This year, I got a great crop off my vine. Why? Because I pruned it carefully. I didn't want to kill it, but I pruned it as per the maker's instructions. But this guy didn't do that. He had a field in which he had a vineyard. So he has a designated and delegated area of work. And in that area, we've been given a dominion mandate by God in Genesis 3. And I believe in Matthew 28 to go and work in that field and be fruit producers in that field for the king of the kingdom. How are we doing then? How are we doing in your local church? How are you doing in your own life and in the life of your family? Now, he either lacked the sense, as we said, or he didn't see, or he wouldn't do. Now, the Bible indicates he was a sluggard. That means he was lazy. 
in not applying himself to the task that God had called him to do. We must learn to see what we need to do. That's an issue of revelation. When the Holy Spirit has been given by God, reveals to us in his word as we're reading it, what we should be doing, we must take action. We can't think about it. We can't conceptualize it. We can't dream about it, fantasize about it. We can't even just discuss it. We have to do it. Blessed is he who hears the word and does it, says the Lord. We have to be doers of the word, not hearers also only, who are given to constant discussion and not given to constant action from the revelation that we received. Seeing and entering, seeing and acting. That sounds like John 3 to me. John 3 verses 3 to 8 talk about Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus when Nicodemus had been talking a lot about the things of God, but actually wasn't doing much about it and yet was called the teacher of Israel. And the Bible indicates that Jesus told him that to be born again, when he was born again, he would see the kingdom of God. When he was born out of water and the spirit, he would enter the kingdom of God. Now, if we are born again, we see it. If we're born of water, baptism, and the spirit, Holy Spirit empowered, we enter it. But that's day one. And we're born again, we're born anew to be filled with the power of God and to start a new life as a new creature in Christ, not to lie on a bed and turn slowly as a door on its hinges, or to take a field and do nothing with it, but we're given a field so we can go and work it and fruit produce within it. Our job, my job, is to spend my days producing fruit in the kingdom of God. The thrill for me this week, I can't fly. I've not been flying since March uh, the 20th. But this week I shall be uh, in Scandinavia for three days on Zoom with our key leaders over there. And then as from Sunday, I shall be with the uh, key leaders in Zimbabwe for two whole weeks, working every day on Zoom with different leaders and different groupings and leadership teams throughout that nation with their national team and with their four uh, apostolic teams that cover the whole of the region of Zimbabwe. And we'll be working on that. We are still producing fruit. I thought, well, maybe, you know, because I'm not able to fly, the guys will say, oh, we'll give it a miss for this year, Dave. No, you should see the schedule that they produce for me. It is unbelievable, day after day after day. And these are younger leaders. Why? Because they're producers. In Zimbabwe, there's over 90% unemployment right now. Can you imagine that? And what are these guys? They're producers. They want to work. They want to lead their people into green pastures. I've seen some of the inventions that they've created this last week to actually put people into the job market. I'm so proud of them, the way they work. They are fruit producers. Contrast that with the sluggard. Now, with the sluggard, apathy reigns and the result could be seen by everyone. His vineyard, which was his responsibility, was overgrown and unpruned. Let me just say something about responsibility. I, 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 I am so weary of hearing people coming on the television and talking about my rights, my rights, my rights. I'm longing to hear people talk about my responsibility. And so I'm actually on a crusade amongst the churches we work with, say, please don't talk to me about your rights. Please don't talk to me about them. 
Actually, my only right is to hellfire. It's the grace of God that's given me eternal life and you as well. My responsibility is to take the field that I've been given and produce fruit within it. And then to bring that fruit into the corporate setting of the church and together with my brothers and sisters to begin to offer that up to the Lord and say, here is the fruit as a wave offering that we have been able to produce under your good hand. And we want you to enjoy it as we're enjoying it and enjoy it together. So his vineyard was overgrown and unpruned. If you want to check out Israel and what happened to them when they didn't get pruned, read Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. It is scary. And it's scary for me as someone who's involved in helping build up churches and strengthen churches around the world. If we don't produce fruit, we will end up being unpruned. And that scares the life out of me because not only did they not produce the fruit, the ground produced no fruit either. The, the, the vineyard was in trouble. The ground was in trouble. There was no fruit. There was just nettles everywhere. And I, I mean, I hate nettles. When I go in the woods, I'm constantly cutting back the path. I take a branch as I walk into the wood many mornings and knock back the nettles so that other people can go through. Our job is not to get people prickled and, and, and nettled. Our job is to help people through life. And to give them clear paths through life. If we know the way, and we know there's only two ways in life, the way and not the way, then our responsibility is to help other people on the way, to help them with clear direction. Not bossing them around, but leading them out of loving care for their redemption. Ministers of reconciliation. Bringing people back to peace with God through Jesus Christ, which is the treasure of the kingdom of God. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. What a fantastic message we carry. I've had the privilege of leading one of my neighbours back to the Lord after 30 odd years, bringing him back to peace with God through Jesus Christ. Do you know what the key was? Forgiveness over an issue that happened 30 years ago in a previous church. Okay, the ground produced no fruit, just nettles. The stone wall was broken down. There was no protection, no defence. What are your walls like in your family, in your local church? Are they strong or are they broken down? Are you in a place of protection, a place of defence, a place of strength, a place of community? Check it out. What on earth had happened here? Apathy and indifference. I don't know and I don't care. That's not what God's called us to do. Don't lie on your bed. Don't bury your hand in the dish as the slugger did. Then I hadn't got the energy to lift it back to his back. Read the scriptures on the sluggard that say, Lord, I don't want to be like this. Don't let poverty come upon you like an armed robber. If things aren't going well for you right now, ask yourself the question, am I being productive or have I just been consuming? We long for you as a church to produce the fruit that God intended from the gifts and graces that he poured into your life. Ask yourself this question. If heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, what kind of a house are you building for the Lord? What kind of house? This is what I ask. This is, this is our library. I love it. We, we have leadership training in here. Chris is in, in, in the living room right now and she's on an intercessors call with a group of women 
from across this region who pray together every Monday. They're praying for the leaders, praying for the direction of the church, using the gifts and graces that God has given them to actually, and their particular homes through hospitality and other things, to minister to people, to make sure that everyone's taken care of. Listen, we need to love more and we need to care more. We need to love the world, not love being in the world, but love the world with the love of Jesus. And we need to care for the saints with a, with a care that's unbelievable to, to manifest the life of the chief shepherd to them. But more than anything, saints, we, we can't afford to be apathetic. Whatever we do, we must do with all our heart and all our soul. As unto the Lord, we call to be labourers. We're not called to be loafers. We're not called to be sluggards. We're called to be workers. And we're called to produce the fruit of the kingdom of God for the wonderful king that we love, adore, extol and see high above everyone else, the King Jesus. May you do that as a community. May you change the face of your town, your region, your workplace, your family, because you refuse to be apathetic. You refuse to be a sluggard and you receive the joy of being a labourer for Jesus. God bless you. God trust you with the joy of his kingdom that you can disperse to other people. Amen.